What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Two Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Denizio, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Lampasona. How we doing? Today, we are filming with Pratt Performance's James Pratt and Kyle Dorr. They specialize in personal training for a variety of levels of athletes and for those looking to improve their quality of life. Uh, we are going to talk about their philosophies and why Pratt Performance is where you need to be to succeed. Uh, thanks for having us, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. Course, Appreciate it. Of course. Uh, so first, we're just going to get into a little introduction. Uh, this is for both of you. I uh, just want to know where you guys grew up and what is your background in athletics and fitness? Go ahead first, Kyle. After you, sir. Uh, I went to Boundbrook High School, graduated in 2010, uh, wrestled, played baseball, and then continued baseball in college. Played at Rampart College and then putzed around in some indie ball for a little bit and you know, kind of brought me here. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I said, since I'm the only one not playing baseball in the room, I would like to brag about being on the nine-year-old All-Star team, like I was telling you guys before. Right. And that was about it. Uh, I played in Little League mm-hmm. for a year, and I was absolutely terrible. From, from 11, 11 years old, I was a really good baseball player, not to brag. 12, I was terrible. Uh, I actually think I still the baseball. That was my batting average on it. It was 195. <laughs> So after 12 years old, I stopped, done. Baseball's done with. I played basketball and football going forward all the way through high school. And then I played football in college. Uh, one year at Bryant University, the remaining three at Kane University. I was an offensive lineman, 65 pounds heavier than I currently am uh, playing center. So. Wow. Yeah. I would not expect <laughs> yeah, that, to be honest. Why, when you said offensive lineman, I was like, yep. Jesus. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. All right. Must so, have been a thick boy then, right? Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Much bigger. And that uh, we've actually had athletes that come in all, that play football. I'm like, what position you think I played in college? I've gotten kicker more than I've gotten offensive really? lineman. Yeah. Like, what'd you do, punt? It's like, no, that's embarrassing. <laughs> but, yeah. Offensive lineman back nice. in the day. Nice. All right. So this next, these next few questions are for James. Uh, why start Pratt Performance? Um, so when I started in the industry back when I was 19, so I was doing personal training part-time in addition to going to school and playing football. Um, after personal training for, I'd, I'd say six months, I was introduced to the sports performance world of training. And then that became my part-time job for the next few years through college. After college, I was given internships uh, to two separate facilities. This one, Test Sports Clubs being one of them. So um, the advisor for the exercise science department at Kane, at the, mo- at the time I was doing uh, phys ed. I was gonna be a phys ed teacher, but I wanted to personal train on the side. And he was like, if you're really interested in this, you could actually make a career of it. Some people do, mm-hmm. uh, you have to be good. You know, like right. 95% of people do not make a career of this occupation, but if you're really good at what you do, you can do it. Right. So he set me up in a couple of career oriented um, fitness facilities, and then this being the latter of the two. Um, and then when I was here, I was doing a lot of personal training. I was training a lot of athletes. Um, I was doing some of the group exercise stuff that we had here. Uh, but after about four years, I realized that uh, unless I was gonna be willing to work or exceed 50 hours per week of personal training, um, or if I was gonna start finding a way to group people together, there was no way I can continue to grow professionally and financially in this industry unless you find some sort of business model right. that works really well. So uh, the birth of Pratt Performance was really uh, me being exposed to the semi-private training um, model and then wanting to create a whole business out of it. Right. It was just the thought of saying, oh, if I have uh, 50 personal training clients at the moment, yeah. I'm gonna start grouping them together and have charged them significantly less and train them at the same time. Right. So I'm gonna be training for fewer hours, 
uh, but they're all going to be paying less and they're all going to be coming to the gym more frequently. Mm -hmm. I think a big stat that inspired that was uh, at the time, all of my clients over the course of a summer, I ran how frequently they were coming to their sessions and it was 1.5 days per week. Mind you, they're paying $100 an hour. So I'm like, why can't I get people to come to the gym more often? It's like, because over the course of a month, they're paying a lot of money to come here 1.5 days average per week. So if there was a way that we could decrease their price, but give them the same training quality that we're Mm -hmm. doing from a personal training standpoint, uh, then there's, we have to figure something out. So I started programming for all my clients, put them together in small groups, maximum of six. They, we started charging them like a gym membership monthly. And all of a sudden, everybody was coming to the gym more frequently. Right. And then they were building relationships with people outside of just me. And it turned into something probably way bigger than I ever expected it to. Yeah. Uh, I was telling someone yesterday, I didn't even think we would ever have a staff. <laughs> thus the naming of a prep performance. I'm like, it's just gonna be me right. training my six people every hour. I'll do that for eight to 10 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and now we have, uh, we have, I guess, five total, yeah. uh, potentially as of next week, um, of staff members that are training consistently. It's like a, it's an actual business now. It's, it's strange, you yeah. know? Like I need more people than just me. Yeah. And I need people like, like super business mind oriented, like Kyle and like John, mm-hmm. to help me run the business. So it, it's, been, it's been really cool. Nice, nice. When did you establish Pratt Performance? Uh, this is 2000, May 2016. Okay. That's when uh, it, it's it's a pretty interesting story because uh, I, I think there was a considerable amount of frustration for me at the time of like, I don't know where to go. And then like, I was like, I'm leaving the industry or like, I'm, I'm going to figure out a different model or you know what? I'm just quitting and I'm going to go figure something out. Become I'm going to go. Rapper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like once I, once I get so angry that I start spitting a hot 16, like your last <laughs> guest, that's when things are serious. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, w- I was pretty much just fed up with what I was doing and I'm like, I'm going to go without a job for six months. I'm going to go figure it out. Yeah. Um, the owner, the CEO of Test, Kevin, um, we started talking about ways to make it work. I was doing a lot of personal training here at the time. Um, and he's like, hey, it's like, you wanna start your own business? You wanna run this model? Do it here. He's like, we have the space for it. Um, and at first I was not like, no, nope, made my decision. I'm going homeless for six months and I'll figure it out. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it made the most sense in the world after that, because I was able to keep all my clients. I was able to stay here. Um, I was given my own space. I was given a lot of flexibility for how I wanted to train people, right. buying my own equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely worked out for the best for everybody. Uh, but yeah, May 2016 was when there, all of that drama actually settled in and uh, we started moving forward as, as a business. Right. Um, would you, you talked a little bit about this you know, business model. Would you say that that's what uh, separates you from your competition or is there other aspects of product performance that would separate you from your competition? Uh, there, there's a few. Okay. There's definitely a few. And one, the business model, yes, being mm-hmm. that it's semi-private and we treat each member as if it's a personal training session right. within a small group of people. Uh, but also, and I think most importantly, and probably most overlooked, is the staff, the quality of the training. Um, like these guys that I have, and I say guys right now, we've had uh, females on staff before, but not at the moment. Mm-hmm. But these guys that I have right now, uh, and I, w- I tell this to all the members, you line up 100 trainers, they're in the top three. And I say that confidently because like in this industry, I think it's uh, being mediocre at what we do is very acceptable. 
And I think a lot of trainers in our industry do it as a part-time gig, or they just don't take it as seriously because they don't think there's any money in it, or they don't treat it like a career-oriented job the way I was probably going to do unless I had that conversation with my advisor at Kane University who right. told me to, hey, you can make a career out of this. Right. So uh, I think the, the guys that I have on staff right now, anybody who walks into the building and gets trained by us, they, there's a very distinct difference of who they're getting trained by, what they know, how they handle the situations, and uh, you know, probably our empathy for people in general when they come in, like having respect for what they say. I think a, a lot of members come in originally and they're like hesitant to tell us like that they have pain or they don't think they could do things. Right. Um, whereas like, like, no, give us every, give us everything you have. Tell us everything about you. Right. And then we'll make the decisions on how to optimize your program mm -hmm. and have you see that we could progress you over the long term to maybe do some crazy things one day, but we're not there yet, nor do we want you to be there. But don't come in on day one thinking that you know, you're gonna be doing uh, Olympic lifting variations that are way outside your comfort zone, right. that have a high risk of getting you injured, right. and a low, uh, a low reward of having you actually accomplish anything from a fitness perspective. Got it, all right. Um, this, these next few questions are for Kyle. Uh, how do you and James know each other? Um, so I started training back in here. I came mm -hmm. here as a member in like 2013. Okay. And I would see James here, say what's up, or kind of like a bro thing. Yeah, time. yeah. Like, I just know this trainer. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And, he squatted uh, every day, and so, yes. uh, I was his spotter. I was an unofficial spotter. <laughs> he would max out every day. I uh, I looked up the Corey Gregory squat every day program. I did it. Yeah. I'm like James, can I come over here and use this equipment? Yeah, no problem. Um, but it eventually got to a point where I found in you know my whole playing career, baseball and everything, like really understanding the value of how important it is to continue this as you're playing. Right. A lot of kids just go into seasons and like play it all out and they're gassed out by the end of the season. Right. And it's like, you know, how are you even gonna excel at the next level? So that's when I started realizing the training, like I'm just training while I'm playing. Right. I didn't have any direction. I was just gonna figure it out. That's why. I, went into a squat every day program thinking, yeah, big legs, I'm gonna throw friggin' 95 miles an hour. Right, right. But um, I actually came in for a couple of personal training sessions right before James launched off Pratt Performance in March of 2016. I still see those sessions come up uh, whenever my name gets punched in uh -huh. uh, that I paid for those sessions. But honestly, they were, I think that was the bridge of what got me into like, hey, like, this is this is legit. This yeah. guy knows what he's talking about. Like it makes me want to learn more, understand more. And um, two months later, go down the road. Uh, I went to five different open workouts mm -hmm. for indie ball. This was when my college career was kind of out. And um, I find out <laughs> James just purchased two uh, his first two pieces of equipment. They were the Air Nine bikes. Mm. And uh, I was like. Yo, can I hop on those? And I'm like, <laughs> he's probably at the point of like, man, so many people are asking me to use my equipment right now. Right, right. Like, I'm just getting this semi-private thing going. And uh, I literally got the phone call while I was on the bike. And he was probably the first person that I told, like, hey, man, I just I just got picked up. Oh, that's like, awesome. And it was uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And then from there, um, you know, I had a couple discussions with him. I'm like, hey, I, you know, appreciate everything. And kind of want to make something out of this you know whenever this is done or whenever I get back can we talk and uh, a 
couple meetings led, you know, one to another. Once I got back, um, started an internship right mm -hmm. in September of 2017. Did about 250 hours of intern service and literally just put myself out there to be like, hey, what can I do? Yeah. I don't care what it is. Like, want me to go scrub the turf or the track <laughs> or whatever, I'll go do it. I'll figure it out. I know it's just crucial to how you're going to end up, you know, playing yourself out in the future and where you're going to be. Right. And um, I was hired December of 2017, and there was no turning back from there. Nice. So, so member turned employee, how would you say it? What's it like working here? Um, awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, it's an ever-changing environment, um, definitely with the responsibilities mm -hmm. that I have, that John has, that all the trainers have, actually. Right. Um, we get to work with people every day, um, making a difference in people's lives every day. And honestly, I think we take a really good approach to it um, and really just understanding how to, you know, be human with people. Yeah. Um, you know, not many people are getting the upfront customer care. That That's what I would say is probably the most, one of those other very important things that we bring to the table with our clients. It's like, we want to build a relationship with you. We're not just, uh, you know, here to take your money. Right, yeah. That's not, that's never what this was. It's like, how can we make a difference and how can we continue to widespread that? So being able to see that coming in here, turning member to, you know, staff member. Um, it's It's been a cool transition. I really, really enjoy it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is gonna be kind of an open forum. We're just gonna talk a little bit about your philosophies and your training. Uh, the first question I have for the both of you is, what is it about your training programs that help athletes take what they learned here and translate it into their respective sport? Yeah, we get a we get a we have a lot of upfront conversations with parents and with athletes about what they're trying to accomplish. Right, and then I think everybody uh, is kind of pigeonholed into thinking that they need this one particular thing. Examples of seeing a professional athlete do something. I need to do this to get better at my sport because right. this athlete of this sport professionally does it. Um, but I think first and foremost is that we develop general athleticism. You know, so. Uh, they need a good amount of, all athletes need a good amount of work capacity, pretty mm -hmm. much regardless of sport. Um, and then we train, uh, we do speed and agility training every day, uh, at least to some capacity. Some days we do like linear sprint work. Other days we'll do multi-directional and agility type stuff, changing directions. And then after that, they have their own customized program mm -hmm. that we feel is best fit for them. So number one, when they come in for their assessment, uh, we need to qualify them for the exercises that we're going to give them. You know, can they do everything appropriately when we teach them how to do it? Right. And then two, you know, what are their ability levels right now? A 13-year-old athlete comes in, never lifted a weight before. They're not going to see a barbell for first six to nine months of their training program with us. Right. You know, um, whereas someone else comes in, 17 years old, plays football, has outstanding movement quality. Um, and back squatting is part of their testing. Yeah. We may have to throw back squatting into their program where we usually don't, okay. you know? So uh, we have a lot of uh, flexibility within our programming that allows us to be whatever we want to be that's best fit for the athlete. Yeah. You know, if you're a baseball player, there's certain things you're not gonna do that you'll see football players doing that you're never gonna do. Right. Um, and then vice versa. Yeah, right. You know? So in that kind of, uh, it, it kind of makes the job fun for us, at least from, from an athlete standpoint, because we get to assess these guys, we get to have conversations with them uh, we talk to them about what they feel is most important for them 
and then we get to give them our two cents of what we think is best for them, and we come to some sort of a consensus of the directions we want to go, right. try to paint a long-term strategy for them to develop athletically, and then we develop their programs from there. You know? yeah. So it's, uh, it's interesting because everybody brings something different to the table, mm -hmm. and we're not necessarily, uh, in these assessments, we're not necessarily telling people like, hey, this is what's going to happen, A, B, C. You know, it's not like we have a program that's preset for anybody that walks in the door. Um, we need to we need to have a different approach with everybody, based right. on what they want, what they need, how long they're training, and where they're at right now, and where they want to get to. Gotcha. That's the one thing I like about you guys too is that you tailor towards any specific athlete that comes in, whether they're soccer, football, baseball. Like that's the thing I really enjoy what you guys are providing because it's you know very customized. Yeah. You know, like you said, like. A baseball player or a pitcher is not going to be going and bench pressing in his program. He's probably not even going to really, you know. He'll never see a bar. Right, exactly. No. So that's the thing I like about you guys. Yeah. So. Um, the one thing, you know, I just want you to talk a little bit about why you feel it's necessary for young athletes to, you know, learn how to train properly on a program. And just real quick from personal experience, I didn't really realize my full potential as an athlete until I got to college and was on a um, structured program. So... I, you know, I think it's just from my opinion, I think yeah. it's important that these athletes adopt this early on in their athletic journeys, I guess you could say. So just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I'd like you should tell them a little bit about your uh, whole middle school, high school training experience, too. <laughs> in a second. But but I think like I think we all have a similar story to that. Absolutely. Which which uh, helps me connect with a lot of athletes. Right. Because I could tell them the stories of when I was 14 years old, day one in the weight room. <laughs> how there was 25s on each side of the bar. Yeah. And the coach said, hey, you could probably do that. Go ahead and do a do a push jerk. It's like, what's a push jerk? It's like, you gotta push, push, push the biggest yeah. jerk off. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So I just kind of like used my legs and I pushed the bar overhead. And I remember like getting the bar two inches above my head. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. Put the bar down. And now I look back, I'm like, wow, that's insane. That That's probably the exact same circumstance that so many athletes are put in, right. which based on what I just told you, uh, we would say that's high risk, low reward right. training. Right, absolutely. And in high school in general, um, a lot of a lot of athletes are put in that situation because, like, I don't know who's watching the weight room, who's giving right. you your instruction, who wrote the program, who's telling you what you should do, uh, and then who's making sure that the load is appropriate for your ability level. Right. Um, should you even be doing that exercise at all? Right. You know, regardless of the load that's selected. So there's there's so many variables um, that I think we appreciate and like we kind of view as like a, an artistic component of what we do. Right. And like when we have conversation, we're all really stimulated about it. Like, oh yeah, this person's ready for barbells. Where do we yeah. start them off, right? Let, let's get them doing like really slow lowers for the first couple of weeks, you know, and, yeah. like, and, and stuff like that, that we love, but like not a lot of people, not a lot of athletes are exposed to that. Right. And then I think a lot of uh, athletes think that it's uh, one equals one in terms of I'm in the weight room training here, mm -hmm. I'm in the weight room training there, and it's the same exact thing. So uh, I think it's important that athletes do get proper training, whether it's at your high school. There's plenty of high schools that have great strength coaches. Right. right. The majority do not, or a strength coach at all. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really important that athletes are, number one, uh, the individuality of their sport and of them personally is taken into account when developing a program for these people. Um, and then after that, making sure that they're progressing appropriately instead of, you know, again, going back to my story, 
The workout is on the wall. We do these four exercises Monday. We do these four exercises Wednesday. We do these four exercises Friday. Right. Um, and then you go as hard as you possibly can because if your buddy outlifts you, it's a big problem to your ego. So <laughs> right. you, yeah. don't, you don't let that guy push jerk more than you, yeah. right. even if you drop the bar on your head. Right, you yeah. know? That's a, it's, a, it's funny you bring that up. I was just about to say that you know it's a good thing that you're giving young athletes a space to come in and train properly because I guess you could say hazing or anything like that in the weight room early on is definitely a problem. Like I know from personal experience, you know, I'm a, I was always a tall kid coming in and I had an older kid like, oh yeah, you could squat 135. And I knew nothing about no mobility, <laughs> right. form, nothing. Yep, I yep, couldn't yep. squat 135, yep. but of course I had to do it because an older kid was telling me to. Right. Yeah. So I think you're providing a really good service for young athletes to come in and really introducing them how to properly train. Yeah. So yeah. you're definitely doing a good service there. Yeah, I can definitely relate to all that. You know, <laughs> once I got to college, I didn't really, I never squatted really, yeah. you know, and I got to college and figure out like, okay, like, look at you now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, one thing, I, one thing I would like to say that we say to all of our athletes, which I think is really important right. that if even, you know, nothing about, uh, programming or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, take pride in having the best technique in the yeah. weight room, as opposed yeah. to the amount of weight you're lifting. Absolutely. I think if there's one take home message, you're in, you're in the weight room, you're working out with, with your buddies. Everybody can kind of see what a pretty looking exercise is. Like you get like the guy who goes down halfway in a squat and then like like hunches over and then his like face almost collapses to his knees before they stand up. Right, right. I.e. me when I back squat heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Like everyone sees like okay that didn't look great. Like you don't even have to be an expert in the industry. Right. But when you see someone drop straight down to a squat with really good control and they explode coming up, heels are flat on the ground, torso is relatively upright. Everyone's like, that's a good looking squat. Yeah. And strive to be that person if you're an athlete in the weight room. Try Absolutely. to be that person that's like, wow, your form's amazing. Yeah. Over the person that says, oh, you just put a fourth plate on each side of the bar. Nice job. Let's see, let's <laughs> right. see what you can do, you know? Right. Um, I remember what I was going to say now. Oh, okay. Just how, you know, when you get to college, you don't realize how much it translates from the weight room to the field. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, like I probably could have been a 10 times better player in high school if I knew how to do the proper training. You know, I, my arm would have been stronger, might have got better looks or something like that. Absolutely. You know, so that's just the importance of it. And I, I mean, you live and you learn. Right. You know. And so. It's funny too, you bring up that because um, we, you know, both go to commercial gyms and, you know, you always see those people in there, that ego lift, you know what I yeah. mean? They do the quarter squats <laughs> with five plates on the bar. It's right. just like, all right. But like, that you're going because it's ego driven. Yeah. Right. We're like but, here, yeah. it's you're going for a reason. It's actual training. Absolutely. To that. But I think like just from our backgrounds, um, you had more respect for a guy who just has 135 on the exactly. bar and is squatting ass to grass, exactly. you know, and exploding up. Like I, 10 times more respect for that yeah. guy. Yeah, he, he takes pride in his form yep. and his craft. Well, so. especially too in, in commercial gyms, you just see random, you know, Joe Schmoes go in and just try to squat however much weight you can and then they don't come back for another four weeks. <laughs> you know, That's like, true. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. I would rather, exactly what you said, I'd rather see yeah. someone go from 135 one week and then, one, you know, just constantly, exactly. progressively adding weight to their program. Right. You know, it's right. more respectful. Definitely. There's more of a goal-driven, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, uh, Kyle, I know you mentioned earlier uh, your upbringing in athletics and fitness. I just want you to elaborate a little bit more on that. What was it like for you? Um, so, father was, uh, he was an ex-Marine mm. wrestler. uh you know, came up, went to the world trials, did everything. So like a training background was pretty like, it's pretty drilled into my head. Yeah, pretty and intense. And then I had, I had my grandfather on the other hand who, you know, he was very diligent about my whole baseball career. And right. Literally like, I'd say from 
time I was able to pick up a ball, mm -hmm. I was always having to catch with him or my father, like in the backyard all the time. And um, I eventually got to such a such a point where, um, you know, this training got so intense and like wrestling practices were really taking on a lot, like just sports in general. Yeah. And I'm hammering, 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 and it's like, all right, well, got to put on a little size if I want to like do some damage here. Definitely. And um, start a whole, you know, morning training crew. Um, our whole, basically, our whole wrestling team was doing this. Mm -hmm. it was summer workouts, three days a week, 5 a.m. Um, everyone came to either my house or we went and met up at the football field. But we had a bunch of front end loader tires because my uh, my family business used to you know, being all wood recycling. We had all these heavy equipment and whatnot. So right. all the spare broken tires and whatnot, we we just took. And um, <laughs> tire flipping for hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of yards. And once you get down to the end of the field, feet up on the tire, push-ups. Once you bring it back, hands up on the tire, push-ups. That cinder block over there, pick it up over your head. I'm walking down the field, like literally just bruising and battering. And like, if you wanna, you wanna get from a mentality standpoint, like, yeah, it, it turned me into a person of like, I will do everything with every last ounce of my body to win and like figure it out. It's like great, great mentality. But at the same time, you're like a bull in a china shop. Like you're <laughs> right. just gonna end up destroying everything. Yeah, yeah. And that came to a point and I, I really noticed a lot, of, a lot of times in my sports career where I ended up getting hurt. I had two knee surgeries in high school that put me out of wrestling season mm -hmm. for two years. Uh, probably would have been what I would have done in college uh, if it hadn't been for that. Um, ended up you know, taking all my physical therapy and training and everything into getting ready for baseball season. Right, and that's right. what took to there. So keep going, keep going, get into college, still continue the training, like morning training. I'm like, I just know I gotta keep training while I'm in season, I'm gonna be good. That's it, that's my mindset and how hard I work is gonna determine everything. And keeping that mentality all the way through, and again, gets to a certain point. Um, you know, tendonitis starts showing up in my elbow. I start popping hamstrings and stuff left and right, but I'm still playing through it. And it's right. like, you know, when, when's enough gonna be enough for your body? And yeah. then I, you know, that's when everything kind of came together and realized like, hey, you know, I ended up finishing up my college career, college World Series. I was the last guy on the mound for our team and it was like, I gave everything I had. And like, it got to the point of, I, you know, I know I could play at the next level. Yeah. And I just left there like that. And I knew I would regret it. And uh, went a year playing like men's league ball, I'm like, guys are just booting balls. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, hit, guy hits a little dribbler to third and like, that's a routine play right. for someone. And I see him throw it into the woods. I'm like, no, this, is, this just isn't happening anymore. So I uh, get into the training, get into everything, um, really try to understand the value of what's going on. And you know, kind of like the story I told before of how I came up through everything. I even continue to try and play while I was interning here. Um, and that led me to some of more of my breakthrough educational moments of becoming a trainer. And James guiding me in the right direction and you know, getting to spend some time down at uh, Cressy Sports Performance. Mm -hmm. um, it was just kind of eye-opening as to 
what he was showing me, a lot of the correlations I was able to draw, why things are so important, and I was able to apply it to myself at the same time. Right. And like, it just went to prove, like, in my last year of playing, I never felt better at all. Even with all the prior injuries that I had, I've had bulges in my discs and my back, mm -hmm. my knee surgeries, I've torn hamstrings. It's just like too many lessons I've had to learn down the right. road. And it's like, I don't want that to happen to other kids or I'd let them get into that scenario. So absolutely, um, it definitely shows a testament to you know where where my training career was where it is now and how much more i appreciate right. it so well, that kind of draws up an interesting question like just to go about how this tire program thing you guys did on your own is there a benefit of high school kids going out and training on their own not necessarily knowing exactly what to do but is doing something better than nothing at that at that level what do you guys think about that yeah, I'd Absolutely. say so. Yeah, I, I think working hard always has its benefit, at least from a psychological standpoint. Right. You know, because I think if there's one thing that I know about Kyle, it's that he's willing to work as hard as humanly possible for anything. Right. And maybe that's something that's ingrained in him genetically or something that was, that he was able to muster up through really challenging training. Right. Whereas in comparison to those days, everything else is easy, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, but uh, it, there... The conversation that I remember us having was something along the lines of, and th this is pretty rare, because I think a lot of times athletes come in and they're like, I need to learn how to work out. Yeah. But Kyle was like, I work my ass off. You know, like I, I work really hard. I want to see if there's something that I'm missing that has more of a, more of a direct transfer to me being a better pitcher. Right. I'm like, that's great. That's good to know. That, that takes our assessment in a whole different direction. So we started talking about like range of motion and stuff and Definitely. like going through range of motion testing. And then we saw a lot of weaknesses at his end ranges uh, of his shoulder complex. And we're like, <laughs> we're like, uh, like he, he can get to the, all these crazy ranges of motion. And then like I would take a pinky to his hand and I'd be able to just kind of move him around. And like he'd start stressing out, sweating, shrugging, shaking. And then, uh, you know, based on that information, like he was, uh, I could tell like he was all in. He's like, okay, like this is, this is odd. Like, I, I've never done something like this before. Right. I've never felt things like this before. And maybe this is the missing link. He's like, because I've never felt like that maxing out squatting every day. Right. I never felt like that when I was flipping tires, deadlifting, bench pressing, doing pull-ups. So maybe there is something to this, uh, to what this assessment has and then what the intervention strategy is to maybe help or assist and improve some of these things that are maybe some of my issues. Right. You know, going from topping 90 a couple times in college to taking a year playing some men's league ball and then really ramping up my training the right way and taking that into pro ball, uh, I was topping 93 and like consistent around 90. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. it, it just pr it shows itself. I'm right. like, how how else was I able to? you know, get to this point if I didn't take a step back and understand that there's more to it. Right, right. I mean, you see so many raw talent guys come up, you know, through high school or even before that yeah. middle school, like, you know, they have serious potential, but if they don't get the proper programs, they're never going to excel, you know, so that's one thing that I think all of us can relate to. Yeah, yeah. Not easily. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just, you know, coming from a background of being a pitcher as well, um, it didn't really translate onto the field until I had gotten hurt and all I could really focus on was flexibility and mobility in my shoulders and my hips that kind of thing so 
when you take a step back and realize oh, I don't have to squat 500 pounds to throw this hard, it really, you know, you really have to dissect what you're doing right. and understand that there's more to your craft than lifting heavy weight. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'd say like to the people that say like, oh well, you know, being being able to squat 500 pounds can't be bad, but uh, I, I think the bigger message is the time that you spent being able to squat 500 pounds should you have been working on other things yeah right you know because that's always like the strength like the, the big strength enthusiasts you right, know right, the, right. the little debate you like <clears throat> oh can you get strong and you know that, that there's nothing wrong with being strong totally it's totally true yeah but the time you spent to get that strong you probably could have worked on some other things like explosiveness in the planes at which you play your sport and uh you know strength and greater ranges of motion you know, yeah. so uh, and speed and agility work in general. You know, yeah. like sprint more, do some more agility drills, and jump. Right. You know, Definitely. you're probably better better off suited doing some things like that as opposed to focusing on squatting, getting your squat from 450 to 500. Which yeah. I'm I'm the first person. Like in in college, I could not wait to deadlift 600. I couldn't wait to squat 500. Couldn't wait to bench 400. Right. And the time I spent on those things, I wish I spent on some other things. Right. Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's take a step away from training your athletes. Let's talk a little bit more about the clients that come in to better themselves and their quality of life. What would you say is different about how you train these clients as opposed to your athletes? Yeah, there, there's a lot of differences. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I guess the first thing, the most important thing after doing this for a while mm -hmm. is that y you become immune to the gym being a place where people are intimidated when you spend all your time in it. So. <laughs> when a new client comes in for an assessment, it became an interesting question for me to ask if they were nervous. Right. And the majority of the time, they would say yes. And there's some examples of people who were scared to death. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you so you know what are you so nervous about? I didn't get it. I, yeah. I don't understand. I haven't been in your shoes in so long. Right. And I'm like, you know what? Now that I think about it, when my dad first brought me to a gym when I was 13 years old, I was scared too. Yep. I'm like, who are all these guys doing all these things I've never seen before, trying to get jacked and like, there's some people grunting and yeah. like, I'm 13, like, just got my first armpit hair. <laughs> like, what the hell am I doing here? Um, but I'm like, uh, I never realized how, like, there's so many people out there that they can't improve from a health and fitness perspective because they are scared right. of the industry. They're scared to be in a gym. And like until you realize that, it's really hard to help people that are in that that are in that position. Right. So, letting people know, and like, is it the other end of the spectrum is like, and people are like, oh well, like you're just so salesy to people. I'm like, no, I'm like, I need people to not be scared when they're at the gym right. because they can't help themselves until they're not scared of what we're doing. Yeah. You know, and they need to know that they are not here to get their ass kicked. Yeah. They are here to improve, you know, especially when we're talking about adult populations above the age of 40, mm -hmm. like, I don't care. They're like, you'll, you'll never do an Olympic lift. I don't care how much you squat. I don't care how much you bench press. I don't care how many chin-ups you do. Yeah. Zero, most likely. That's fine. Totally fine. Let's just get better than where you are now. And then, like, that's where the program comes into play. I'm like, listen, you're here. Let's just, let's start here. Yeah. Six weeks from now, we're going to go over this program when you finish it, and we'll compare. And we'll say, hey, on day one, you goblet squatted the 15-pound dumbbell, and you accomplished three sets of 10 over the course of a 10-minute time frame, in addition to another exercise. Six weeks later, you accomplished five sets with double the weight. So in terms of the mathematical equation of volume, you did a ton more work here. So be proud of yourself. And don't worry about what other people are doing. 
This is your sheet that compares you to you, you from six weeks ago, you to today. Mm, right. And be proud of yourself for that, you know? Um, and I, it, it may be a step in the direction of like the planet fitness, like, uh, you know, nobody, uh, I, I don't know. No judgment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah something like that. And, and everything. And uh, I, I'd say, I'd say we're a little more hardcore than that. Oh, yeah. like, like, like our people come in and they work hard, all right. of them. Like yeah. they, they work. But it's like, I never realized how many, like how big of a difference you can make in people's lives when you just show them that the gym doesn't have to be such a scary place. Right. right. You know? Right. Absolutely. The one inter- interesting thing you said was about how you can make a program and look at, you know, re- week one compared to week six and just the progress there. And I, I feel like I always get more motivated or I just, it, it's more of a click in my head where I see on paper, like physically what the progress was compared to like, oh yeah, like, you know, six weeks ago I did squat this compared to this, yeah, you know what right. I mean? Like when it's actually written down, I think I, you know, excel a little bit more that way. When when people are coming in here, it's kind of like an unrealized thing from it, for them. They just come here and they're, they're thinking they're doing something good and they really are. But then like when you draw some correlations for them, like down the road and they look back and they're like, they had kind right. of have like a whoa moment. Right. Right. It's like that's a small win for them. You got to continue to feed that to them just so that it gets to a point where they're able to motivate themselves. And there's tons of clients that are like that and tons of people that I've seen him bring adults come in for sessions and completely disclose like, you know, they're 15 feet behind them because they're stuck staring there, like <laughs> standing there, like staring at everything like should I even be here right now? Right, right. When you look at those people and their stories and look where they're at right now, they've, a lot of them have been with us for over a year, two years, and they're doing things that they never thought they could ever do. And that's like, that is the coolest part about training, like, you know, the adult population here. Right. Because they, once they buy in, it's it's almost no turning back for them. Right. So, in addition to things like that they wouldn't do, like outside of physically, yeah. like coming into the gym and smiling, yeah. and coming into the gym and making friends, like yeah, having definitely. more confidence. Like that's when we realize that like, like when we talk about what we do for athletes and adults and what are the common denominators of those, building confidence comes first and then building quality of life, you yeah, know? Definitely. And I, I think one probably leads to the other and confidence is critical. Right, but what's the one thing we do, you know? Like, oh, do we make everyone faster? No. No, like our, <laughs> our, our, our 60-year-olds don't run sprints. <laughs> if they had to, maybe they'd be a little bit faster after training. Right. But uh, in general, like, everybody is more confident once they're competent in the gym, you know? Right. right. And, and that's been the one thing that we've always prided ourselves on with anybody we're working with. Yeah, I, I'd say probably the biggest thing you mentioned earlier is you know when you have someone new coming into the gym or someone that's new that's coming in to train what's really important is getting them in a mindset that they're competing with themselves and not with the people around them because everybody's different i've been training with him for six years and if i was chasing his numbers in the gym i'd be discouraged and i wouldn't want all to of us it. look at this guy <laughs> yeah, exactly this is embarrassing that we're in the fitness industry and we're in a room with some guy and you got a freaking stunat Interv- yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's interviewing us and he has twice as much muscle as both of us yeah. that's embarrassing it's pretty embarrassing. but yeah but the, the point is is you got to compete with yourself and not with the people around you and i think you're doing a very right. good job of of instilling that into your patrons and that's only going to make them better and i think that's definitely what separates you above some of your other competitors yeah for I sure because when you hear you know semi-private or a small group training right you're thinking everybody's gonna be on the same level doing the same thing but exactly. it's like no you can have 
you know, someone who's brand new and someone that's a veteran at it. You know, I think that's a really cool thing about you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> but we have, a, we have, we've had 70 year olds and 20 year olds in the same session. Yeah. You know, early seventies and mid twenties, same exact session doing completely different things. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, uh, but I think that's awesome. Uh, and I, I, like the, the industry standard was always like, you know, choose your target demographic and attack. Yeah. You know, that like find the 40 to 60 year olds, which I guess is what we would consider our target demographic from an adult training standpoint. Based right. on demographics and everything, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like, but I'm like, I like it. The beauty of this is that there is no target demographic, I think. Right. You know, is that we could take a 72 year old man and a 25 year old super fit woman and train them at the same exact time on completely different programs. Right. Yeah. And I think what you said too, Joe, about like even just, you know, our relationship lifting. Right. And it can kind of translate to you guys is that you have to have the right people around you to where like, you know, if the numbers are completely different of, you know, a squat or whatever. Right. You have to have someone who's willing to support you rather than like beat you out. Mm -hmm. You know, I think. Right. Exactly. I mean, you can relate to that. I mean, his deadlifts blows my numbers away, (laughs) you know, so trying to keep and keep up with him with that. It's like, you know, he's always there to support me and. Definitely. Try to benefit me, and because I know I'm there for myself, not trying to right. you know have an ego boost. Right, because what's what's the point of taking somebody down? You might as well lift them up with you. You know right. what I mean? So that's but you see that a lot though. Like Again, it. especially like even in high school or college mm-hmm. when they're training in the weight room, Definitely. it's you know it's a big ego thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. So besides training, what else does Pratt have to offer its patrons? Like nutrition counseling, re- rehabilitation programs, anything like that. So in this building, we have there's a bunch of different businesses. So right. uh, Lauren Dunn, and uh, we're in t- just establish where we are, because I don't think we said that. Gotcha. We are inside of Test Sports Clubs in Martinsville. Gotcha. And um, and Lauren Dunn over here, she runs the Absolute Nutrition, and uh, she's like she's brilliant when it comes to nutrition related stuff. So like, and we try to get our clients to do it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, it's always difficult to get them like, oh, and another thing, another <laughs> thing. But I'm like, if, if you would just have a 30 minute conversation with her about some of the nutrition related stuff and talk about uh, having no idea, you know, like clients really don't have a clue when it comes to nutrition. And when they first come to us, it's kind of like, you know, like let's just build one habit at a time type deal. You know, like let's start coming to the gym consistently. And then once we start coming to the gym consistently, let's have that conversation about how to, you know, maximize our results from a nutrition perspective and she's the person to talk to and if you spend 30 minutes with her you'll learn like like a a ton of stuff about nutrition Mm -hmm. that you had no idea yeah you know and like i'm somebody who like i like i when i was in high school i was writing down my macronutrients you know when i was like i had i have to gain weight my Mm -hmm. protein has to be above 240 (laughs) and my calories have to be above 3700 right you know and uh and things like that and i learned different stuff from her every time i talk to her um, and I've been interested in this stuff for 15 right. years. Um, so like when someone comes in, they're like, yeah, like I, I've gained 30 pounds in the past two years and just can't figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, okay, give me 30, give her 30 seconds yeah. and she'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So like we like to, we like to get our clients to see her as much as possible, both athletes and adults. Right. Um, for, for like a, for physical therapy related stuff, we actually have a few people mm-hmm. that train here um, that we refer to depending on the issue. You know, like if someone's experiencing pain, like a, there, there's a few different people that uh, we like to at least give them contact information. Uh, but nothing else that we actually offer besides the semi-private training. And then like we have personal training services as well. 
but that's used at a minimum. Just to, like, going back to the original problem of why semi-private even became a thing for this business, just a whole different price point that you're gonna get almost the same exact product for 25% of the price if you join this group, we're gonna create your program either way. It just depends on how much we talk about your family. You know, that's right. the difference between personal training and semi-private personal training. Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned nutrition and you know, recently, you know, I've been lifting for a while, me and Joe have been lifting together, but recently I've really cracked down to nutrition and be like, all right, I have to break down because I was gaining a little bit more weight and trying to cut and just, you know, I wanted to learn it because I was just part of the, the, the process of it. Um, and when you're just Googling and trying to search nutrition facts or just the, the way to eat right or gain weight and there's just so much out there you get so overwhelmed you know and there's certain times and i still don't know I'm, i probably know like five percent of what's out there but i've already saw progress with what i did yeah you know so that's the interesting thing is that if you can go in person to somebody like that that can just you know lecture you for 30 minutes just how to properly eat and sure. everything like it's yeah. just it's gonna be so beneficial definitely definitely all right, Dom. Well, it seems like they have a lot to offer. They have this, they have that. Uh -huh. So, Dom. Yeah. Want to put a little this or that? This or that. All right, let's do it. <laughs> so, this is a segment we like to do. We ask basic questions. We'll do a rapid fire, and you just give your opinion on which one you would choose. So, being that you're both from New Jersey, Taylor Ham or Pork Roll? Pork Roll. We don't want to fight. No, no fishing <laughs> um, Okay, age-old question: Nacho cheese or Cool Ranch Doritos? I gotta go Cool Ranch. Same, Cool, cool ranch. ranch. Wow. Okay. Now they do have a, a uh, mixed bag, bag where it has both flavors. Oh, the white. It was bag. like a limited yeah. edition. Yeah. yeah. I'll take sweet chili over both. Yeah. Sweet chili is I've, right. Yeah, I've heard sweet chili is yep. a favorite the for a lot bag. of people. Yeah. 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 I think it's bag. sweet chili, right? Yeah. Uh, might be spicy nacho. Oh, Either spicy sweet. nacho for me. It's a, it's a purple bag, I know that. The purple bag Doritos. Uh, Siri, uh, okay, so, <laughs> not, not to get off topic of this or that, <laughs> not at all. but I was a very overweight child. Maybe I can give you guys a picture of you. I, but I mean, uh, I'm yeah. in the same boat, so. <laughs> I had, my sister's 11 years older than me, so when she would have friends over, to keep me away from them, her friends would bring over bags of Doritos. No way. I would, oh man, I would crush those Doritos. <laughs> the amount of Doritos I ate to stay away from her and her friends, who were like, what, 16, 17 years old, yeah, I was yeah. five, six. Like calories that you shouldn't be consuming as a five or six year old. Right, right, right. That led to a whole lot of bad nutritional choices until probably the age of high school. Now, uh, was, it, was it the little snack bags or was it like the big, like, either one, size, either size? one. I, I, rem I remember getting the small ones, but I remembered the big ones. And I right. distinctly remember sitting on the couch watching a movie eating a whole big bag and thinking like, that was a, those were a lot of Doritos. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely. But you still were gonna go grab some Pringles afterwards. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. yeah, by the way, give me another one because I'm gonna start annoying you guys if you don't give me another bag of Doritos. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, so let's move away from food a little bit. Uh, would you take endurance training or strength training? Strength training for me personally. I'm probably on the other side now. Uh, yeah. Looking at longevity, I guess. Gotcha. Strength training was always fun, but uh, keep hurting myself so. <laughs> all right all right um protein shake or protein bar shake 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 yeah i feel like that's definitely an easy one yeah. I'd, I'd pick shake before a bar uh okay so training with a barbell or a dumbbell barbell barbell stop <laughs> i go either way okay. um, i'm gonna say dumbbell. kyle today you gotta go kyle today kyle not today. kyle five six years ago kyle today would be a dumbbell dumbbell okay yep. all right um pre-workout or coffee 
<laughs> now, now, so this this for him is this for me. So like barbell or dumbbell, you're five years ago, Kyle would have had a different answer. Five years ago, me would have had a different answer. Right. Give me all the pre-workout in the world. Uh, there's pictures on Facebook of actually uh, my buddies and I having Red Bulls with pre-workout in oh it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. That's so I was that attack, guy. Yeah. I was that guy. Uh, but now coffee, just to try to decrease the caffeine consumption. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. probably on that level Jack, too. Uh, Jack 3D. I would, the I old school take, Jack, right? I, Yes, yeah. the old school Jack. And I would take like two or three scoops like before a high school workout. Like, and just get revved yeah. up. I yeah. remember in college, I was taking pre-workout before games. Yeah. I'm like, just, same, I'm like at, same you know, thing. shaking like well, this. Every, every practice, even, every game. Even worse. I was going a monster with a little bit of pre-workout sometimes it wasn't all the time <laughs> but i would also be taking excedrin as well oh my but God. i would like pump that down oh door down to the bullpen okay slug it all down go down there and then i'm like locked in yeah and I'm like, right, we don't go. condone this behavior by the way yeah. anybody who's listening yeah. i do not i do not condone it just don't do it just yeah do it do it the right way absolutely <laughs> okay so uh when it comes to physique would you take size and strength or endurance and aesthetic size and strength yeah <laughs> well, it's different because you come from football and then he's baseball. Too, yeah, especially it's switched, it's switched though. I, yeah, honestly, Kyle's I, a meathead. He used to be a meathead. I used to be a meathead. Mm -hmm. I used to be a meathead. Now I'm a veg head. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd probably say endurance. Yeah. Nice, nice. Okay, so we're going to break the rules a little bit squat, bench, or deadlift. You got to pick one. Deadlift. Deadlift. I'd probably say squat. Yeah. All right. Well, well you go, Joe. Deadlift, obviously. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's literally the only thing I can actually like put up a decent amount of weight for. Yeah, yeah I'm going to bench. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that was this or that segment. Uh, and I think that's all we have. That's all we got. All right. James, Kyle, thank you for having us. It's obvious that you are both passionate about what you do and provide the tools for your clients to achieve their goals. Uh, we wish you and your athletes the best of luck in your futures, and uh, thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. This it was, was fun. fun. Let's yeah, do this again awesome. sometime. No, so. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> make sure to like and subscribe to the Stunats podcast on YouTube, and also follow us on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor FM. And as always, tuning off, signing off, stopping off. <laughs>